We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Company and other factors. The following program is sponsored Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. There is a time and a place where you can manifest anger appropriately. William Wilberforce got angry at slavery. Martin Luther King Jr. got angry at racism. A mother got angry at drunk drivers and started a movement called MAD all across America. A lot of good has been done in this world because people said enough and then responded to appropriately. Welcome to Know the Truth with Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. The daily headlines remind us that we live in an age of rage, but we don't have to watch the evening news to witness the palpable anger in our society. We see it on the highway, at our schools, and in our homes. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy opens to the book of Proverbs to help us gain control of our emotions. We're also discovering the positive side to anger in a message titled Anger Management. Here's Philip. I was reading a while ago about a boy who had an English composition homework, and he was talking to his father about a family of words that he wanted to better understand. He said, Dad, what's the difference between irritation, anger, and rage? The father said, well, you know what? Let me think about that. And in a few moments, he says, son, come with me to the phone. I'm going to show you the difference between irritation, anger, and rage. So he goes to the phone, puts it on speaker mode, and he just dials a number out of the phone book at random. And the man on the other end answers the phone. And this father says, can I speak to Jones, please? The guy says, there's no Jones in this house. I don't know where you got this number, but please don't be calling me back. You could tell he was slightly irritated and puts the phone down and the father turns to his son and said, son, that's irritation. It's kind of anger, but in a mild form. Uh, about 20 minutes later, they go back to the phone. He said, son, watch this. And he takes the phone and he calls the same number and the guy comes on. He said, can I speak to Jones? The guy says, I don't know what's going on here, but I told you Jones doesn't live here. And the temperature went up and the voice was raised and the guy put the phone down. And the father says, son, that's anger. And you can tell the difference, can't you? About 20 minutes later, he goes back on the phone, calls the same number. The guy answers it. He said, you know what? This is Jones. Has anybody called for me? <laughs> and the guy goes bananas and just puts the phone down. And the uh, father turns to the son. He says, well, son, that's rage. <laughs> well, you know, whether that happened or not, it's an illustration of the fact that, you know, people can be rather annoying and you and I can be rather annoying. And life can be aggravating. 
I don't need to tell you that it's an inescapable fact in life that people are going to do things or fail to do things to such a degree that they're going to stir a passion of anger or even rage within each of our lives. And one of the things we've got to do is manage that anger. We've got to learn to keep our cool. That's one of the constant challenges of life. Now, the sad fact is there's mounting evidence that as a nation, we are a short-tempered people. Research is showing it. I think your eyeballs tell you that this is an age of rage, road rage, political rage, airplane rage, domestic violence, child abuse. I was shocked and saddened at a news that came across the wires last week about a couple that were arraigned here in the United States for beating their child to death because the child spilt their food. What's going on? Horrible. Hateful. Where does this anger come from? Why are we seeing it on greater display? It's there, and it's a killer. In fact, did you know that each year in America, on average, 14 men are killed by soft drink vending machines? That's true. They put their money in and they don't get the right change or they don't get their seven up or their mountain dew. And so they start to shake the vending machine to such a degree that it falls all them and crushes them to death. Don't be doing that. Don't be having your son explain your demise that my dad was run over by a vending machine. Okay, don't do that. But on the serious note, this is an age of rage. And we need to get a handle on this, and the Bible speaks to this. Now, by way of further introduction, let me say that there are social factors and spiritual factors to this increase in anger. Let me deal with the social factors. There's little doubt that we're living on the edge of exhaustion. Life has sped up. We're being asked to do more with less. Less time, less money, less energy. We have marginless lives, as Dr. Richard Swenson argues in his book, The Margin. We just don't have a lot of room emotionally and physically and financially. And when you're on the edge of exhaustion, (laughs) it's not hard to tumble over into anger, to have your chain yanked to a point where you've just nothing left and you explode. I think that's a factor. Just we're overloaded. We're on the edge of exhaustion and exasperation. We've watched our culture implode, where we've seen honor shrink and dishonor expand. We've seen a series of TV shows birth with Jerry Springer into today's reality shows where people are allowed just to let it all hang out. Don't restrain yourself in terms of your words or your behavior. Just be nasty. Be vulgar. Even threaten violence. That's the culture we're in. And certainly elements of secular psychology has put a value on venting, encouraging people to punch pillows, to curse, to go down to the gym and take it out on a punch bag. Don't control it. Don't repress it. Express it. That's just some of the sociological factors. You could add to that a lack of discipline in the home or in the school. And so there's all kinds of factors that play into the rise that we're seeing in terms of anger and rage. But it's not only sociological factors, there's spiritual factors. The real issue doesn't lie outside of us. It's not environmental. 
You can't push the blame completely to someone else or something else because according to Galatians 5, 17 to 18, contention and outbursts of wrath are a work of the flesh. So theologically, anger is an expression of our sinful natures. You know that we inherited Adam's nature, that from the womb we go astray. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We have hearts that are at war with God. We're told that, aren't we, in Romans 8 verse 7, that the mind is at enmity with God. We have a proclivity to anger, and it's seated in our rebellion against God. If we're angry with Him, you can be sure we're going to be angry with other people. And the only thing that can fix that's the gospel. The only thing that can truly assuage that is grace. You and I are troubled from birth with a burning resentment and rebellion against God. Now, it will manifest itself in different levels, in different lives, but it's there. The heart of man is restless, says Augustine. I would add to that, reckless also. The heart of man is restless and reckless until it finds rest in God. I don't know if this is a good analogy, but you know that some of our servicemen and women have struggled with depression and disorder, having come home from the battlefield. We have stretched our troops. They're working longer. They're staying on the battlefield longer than ever before. And so they have to come home and switch from the war zone mentality to the home front. And some of them have found that hard, and anger and outbursts have troubled marriages and troubled relationship with kids. And we can tell that, you know what, while they're home, they're still very aggressive. And they're finding it hard to bottle that aggression because they're still kind of in their mind in the war zone mentality. And it's not a perfect illustration, but here they are trying to live normal lives, and yet they're kind of in their mind at a state of war. And I think you can write that larger into life, that we try to live normal lives, but you don't realize that our hearts are a perpetual war zone against God and His rule and His reign in the human realm. So let's come to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs has been written by multiple authors. We tend to think it was all written by Solomon. He wrote the balance of it, but it was written by several authors. I believe the audience was the emerging young lions and leaders of Israel those who could be put into political positions or given an international ambassadorship. And so the book of Proverbs was written to give them some wisdom in how to lead and how to live, which would be for the good of the nation and for the glory of God. And throughout this book, we're told to kind of cool it when it comes to our anger. We're given patterns and paradigms how you and I can manage our anger. I love the verse we read earlier, Proverbs 16:32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So let's come and look at a few things about anger. Number one, the mood of anger. Number two, the madness of anger. And number three, the management of anger. It's all going to be from the book of Proverbs, although we will go to other places from there. Let's look at the mood of anger or the emotion of anger. Anger is an inflammation of the emotions. It can be good and it can be bad, and we'll get to that in a moment. But just basically, it's an inflammation of the emotions. The Hebrew word for anger is af, and it's actually a word translated nose in other places. 
But that shouldn't surprise us. Because when you get angry, when you get hot under the collar, when you get bothered, when you get passionate about something, your nostrils will tend to flare. You'll come red-faced. So the idea of anger is even tied physiologically into the idea of the nose flaring. It's interesting in John eleven thirty three, write it down, we won't go there. But when Jesus sees his friend Lazarus dead and in the tomb, it says that he was distressed and troubled. One of those words is a Greek word that carries the idea of the snorting of a horse. It's the same idea, the flaring of a horse's nostrils. Jesus got angry at death. How interesting. What a picture. Just try and keep that in mind. But basically, what is anger? Anger is the inflammation of the emotions. And you know what? It has its proper place in its proper proportion in life. God himself is often expressed as anger. And God is holy, holy, holy. Therefore, his anger is holy. It is righteous indignation. In Exodus 4.14, in Deuteronomy 29.27-28, you'll read about the anger of the Lord was aroused. Aroused, inflamed. And you know what? Genesis 1.27, we're made in his image. And therefore, there can be a time and there can be an occasion where it is proper and right for you and I to allow our emotions to be inflamed to a point of passion and anger. And in that, if it's the right time and the right way over the right issue, we are doing a righteous thing that reflects the image of God and man. But as you would be well aware, that is always fraught with danger given our fallenness. But we'll get to that. Let me give you two definitions of anger I think will help you just as we introduce the subject. Robert Jeffress, who's pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, he wrote, anger is a natural, physical, and emotional reaction to a perceived injustice. It's natural. It's an embedded, inbred instinct for what is right. It can be God-given and God-appointed. And it's a reaction to a perceived injustice. Robert Jones, in a very helpful book, Uprooting Anger, I'd recommend you to buy it if this is an issue for you. Anger is a whole person active response against perceived evil. So anger is a divinely planted emotion that is tied to a natural instinct for what is right in the best of circumstances. You know what? Two qualifications quickly, although we'll thread this throughout the sermon The injustice is a moral injustice. It's something akin to that which is unlawful in the eyes of God and man. It's not an idiosyncrasy. It's not a pet peeve. If you're going to get angry, make sure you're working off the script of something like the Ten Commandments, not your list of pet peeves. All right? Think of injustice in a big way. Weighty issues. Lest we get down to the petty and the personal. That's when anger goes off the ranch. Plus, I want you to notice the word perceived. Very important that you and I perceive correctly. That's why we need to allow our minds to be informed by the Word of God. We need to allow our hearts to be governed by the Spirit of God. That's why anger requires deep humility and broad holiness, lest prejudice or self-righteousness or self-will twists our response and our perception of the injustice is wrong. 
The injustice itself is not that weary, and our perception is skewed by personal preferences and pet peeves. So, that's the mood of anger. Although, I want to say two other things quickly about that. Because if you study the book of Proverbs, you'll see that there is constructive anger and negative anger or destructive anger. Proverbs 14, 29, write it down. I'll turn to these for you. We read, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. So, it's saying you can come to a boiling point after patience, reflection, proper perception, and that's a good thing where your anger is informed by patience and understanding because the man who is slow to anger has great understanding. Or there's destructive anger where it's more emotional and it's driven by self-preservation and self-pleasure. He who is impulsive exalts folly. So there seems to be positive and negative, constructive and destructive, helpful and hurtful anger. Let's just think about that for a moment. Let's talk about helpful anger you're probably conditioned to think there's no scenario where anger is ever helpful. But that's not true. Ephesians 4.26 would remind us, be angry and sin not. Seems clear that you can be angry and not sin in some circumstance. The Puritans would qualify that by saying, you can be angry and sin not when you're angry at sin alone. It's a good statement. But the point is, there is helpful anger. God, in all His holiness, was aroused to anger. Jesus, in all His perfection, was aroused to anger. In Mark 3, 5, we see Him angry with the money changers in the temple. He can't stand God's house becoming a Walmart. Number three, Paul, a righteous follower of Jesus Christ, is agitated, distressed in Acts 17, 16, at the sight of the idolatry that he found in Athens. In fact, that word to their distress, it's a Greek word that carries the idea of exasperation to the point of anger. The more he stood there and watched the idolatry and the paganism of the city, the more he got bothered in his soul. Paul was a good and angry minister of the gospel. Hmm. So there is a time and a place where you can manifest anger appropriately in the face of injustice, in the defamation of holy things, that ought to be a necessary and an appropriate response. You can be angry and sin not when sin is that which makes you angry. In fact, I would suggest this, and this will cut against the grain of much of our thinking. No man can claim to be good who is unable to be angry at that which is bad. William Wilberforce got angry at slavery. Martin Luther King Jr. got angry at racism. A mother got angry at drunk drivers and started a movement called MAD all across America. Martin Luther got angry at the indulgences of the Catholic Church and the perversion of the gospel. A lot of good has been done in this world because people said enough. And they were moved over true injustice, rightly perceived, and then responded to appropriately with patience and understanding. You need to get angry over false doctrine and abortion, pornography, racism, drugs, drunk drivers, poverty, the sex, slave trade, the suspension of human rights across the world. Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, said that he worked better when he was angry. 
Here's what he said, which may surprise you. I have no better remedy than anger. If I want to write, pray, preach well, then I must be angry. Then my entire blood supply refreshes itself. My mind is alert and my temptations all depart. Well, there's certainly a lot of truth in that statement. Or better still, William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. I'm not sure he'd be that excited about what he's seen in that organization today, but that's another issue. He was 82, almost blind. He spoke to an audience of 10,000 people at the Royal Albert Hall in London. Here's what he said. While women weep, I'll fight. While children go hungry, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, I'll fight. While there's a drunkard left, I'll fight. Where there's a poor girl on the street, I'll fight. Where there remains one dark soul without the light of the gospel, I'll fight. I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. You say, well, he sounds pretty angry. Well, in a good way. It brought about a lot of good. So there is helpful anger, but there is hurtful anger, isn't there? We read in Proverbs 14, 29, he who is impulsive exalts folly. Now, the man that's slow to anger gets to anger at the right time or the right thing. That promotes wisdom, but the impulsive, the person who just lights up over the littlest of things, he just spreads folly. Don't forget James 1.20, write it down, that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When you're I are working in anger, but it's the work of the flesh and not the spirit, it becomes destructive. When it's driven by selfishness, impatience, irritation, bias, it's not going to produce the righteousness of God. So anger becomes sin, Okay, you can be angry and sin not. How can we know we're not sinning when we're angry? Well, anger becomes sin when it rises quickly. Proverbs 4.29. But he who is, notice the word, slow to wrath, has great understanding. Notice the word, he is impulsive, spreads folly. Impulsive anger tends to be wrong anger. Anger that's not thought about, prayed about, reflected upon, considered at the foot of the cross, looked at in the light of God's holiness, that tends to be unrighteous anger. It doesn't have a sufficient cause. It tends to be personal, petty. It tends to lack understanding. It's quick, and it's often over silly things. Here's a good statement. Someone has said that you can measure a man by the size of the thing that makes him angry. If a man gets angry over silly things, then his life isn't properly proportioned. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth. We're taking a week-long break from our Total Grace series to deliver some timely messages that Philip recently preached. Today's message, titled Anger Management, offers a template from Proverbs for measuring our responses with God's Word. Order today's message on CD when you visit ktt.org. Online, you can also listen to any of Philip's messages at no cost. Now, as you freely receive these daily programs, we'd like to invite you to freely give so that more people in more cities can hear the truth of God's Word. It's only with your generosity that we can produce and distribute Know the Truth to listeners all across the country. And today, you can make an even greater impact when you become a Truth Ambassador. Truth Ambassadors provide a recurring monthly donation to keep Know the Truth on the air and on the web 24-7. Join this team of generous friends when you visit us online at ktt.org 
or call 888-644-8811. And when you give, you'll be one of the first to receive Philip's newest book, Help, I'm Anxious. Now, life is full of stress, and many of us battle worry and anxiety, but there is help, and again, it's found in God's Word. Be set free from worry and anxiety when you know how to claim God's peace. Discover the biblical steps to freedom in Philip's new book, Help, I'm Anxious. Ask for your copy today when you become a monthly Truth Ambassador or when you give a one-time donation of $25 or more to Know the Truth. Donate online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. If you prefer, send your donation by mail to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. From all of us at Know the Truth, we're glad you joined us today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow as Philip concludes his message on anger management. Invite a friend to listen Tuesday to Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. How many sales are you missing because you're not effectively using social media marketing? The vast majority of the population is on social media, shopping. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surrounddc.com surrounddc.com One of the great privileges of my life has been to stand shoulder to shoulder with WAVA listeners in Israel. This is WAVA's Dennis Williams. I love Israel. I want to invite you to join me in experiencing Israel. Or if you've been to Israel before, it's time to return. Join me on December 2nd through the 11th, 2019. We'll visit the amazing places you've read about in the Bible, including the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, and the Garden Tomb. Find information today at wava.com, keyword Israel, or give me a call, 703- 807-2211. When you listen every...